I'm Jane Leader, and you're listening to Older Women and Friends. You know, we older women have a lot to say about love, grief, loss, and resilience. We're more comfortable speaking our truth. We've been good scouts and earned our badges, and now it's time to change the perception that the gig is just about up, when in truth, the second wave of the gig has just begun. We are the matriarchs, the women at the top of the food chain, and we've been given the precious gift of passing along the wisdom that we fought so hard for. So let's build a community of older women, women who are strong, self-fulfilled, and a hell of a lot of fun. Hi, today my guest is Lorraine Miano. It's pronounced like piano, and she is an integrative, holistic health coach certified in hormone health. What the heck is that? <laughs> Hello, Jane. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Well, after I went to school to become a health coach, I decided to go back and get certified in hormone health so that I could guide women through their peri and menopause years, since those were the women that were coming to me for help. Did you have like a practice or an office where women came to look for who knows what? Yeah, so I, I started out that way as a one-on-one coach, and I did open an office. I soon decided I didn't really need that. I could coach people anywhere. I could co- coach them in a coffee shop, at their home, in my home. I did that for a couple of years and then realized that I could help even more women if I did group coaching. So I started a few workshops and went into group coaching. And I found that women actually got more out of that because they had the experience of all the other women that they were in the group with. They felt like they weren't alone. And it wasn't just me coaching them. And I know that you are the author of The Magic of Menopause, A Holistic Guide to Get Your Happy Back. And I'd love to get my (laughs) happy back. And I'm sure everybody who's listening would like to get their happy back. So what do you mean by that? How are we, when did we lose our happy and how are we going to find it again? Yeah. So in in reference to specifically the book, the happy back is so many women come into menopause with this idea that it will be terrible. And unfortunately, Western culture does a fantastic job of vilifying it or making it feel like it's a disease and something to avoid. So I want women to know that they could come into these years with a positive mindset, that these can be the absolute most wonderful years, and like I say, the most magical years, and that you don't have to lose your happy. So, But if you did lose your happy, I can help you get it back. Good, I'm looking for it. (laughs) And I know that you're focused on all things menopause, so you talk about perimenopause, menopause, Mm -hmm. and postmenopause. And for my listeners who are a bit older, Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that most of us have left menopause way, way behind. We can look at the shelves and stores and it's like, nah, don't need that. Don't need that. But can you fill us in a little bit on menopause and what actually it is in a very quick manner and then how we get through that. 
Yeah. So, well, perimenopause are the years around menopause. So the years just preceding menopause. Menopause is actually just one day. It's the 12 month anniversary of when your menses cease. And the very next day you're considered postmenopause and you will be postmenopausal for the rest of your life. So the, those perimenopause years can last anywhere from two and up to 15 years for some women. Many have no symptoms. Many have slight symptoms, and many have debilitating system, uh, <laughs> symptoms. Many of them come into those years with those symptoms because of the lifestyle that they've led leading up to that. Uh, we've created hormone imbalances that you can't just fix in a day, uh, whether you were eating a poor diet, which in Western society, we have the sad diet, the standard American diet, which is so bad. I mean, we have record numbers of obesity, diabetes, metabolic disorders. So many women coming into the perimenopause years may already have many symptoms due to the hormone imbalances that they're experiencing. Once you reach menopause and you go on to the postmenopausal years, I like to tell women when they tell me, oh, I'm past that. I don't need to hear anything about it. Well, postmenopause, unfortunately, women have high risks of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, diabetes, and Alzheimer's and dementia. So we still need to pay attention to what we are doing for our lifestyles as we go into our postmenopause years. And there's still many things holistically that we can do to guide ourselves through those years so that we can have a long health span versus disease span. And what I found fascinating reading some of your material is that women will live a third up to a half of their lives post-menopause, which is startling, actually. Truth. Truth. It is yes. true. Yeah. And we want to live the very best years that we can. And we know that we can have a wonderful post-menopause experience. So talk about that a little bit. In fact, the reason I was very interested in having you as a guest, because you had written about post-menopausal zest. And I heard yes. the word zest and I went, really? And then I, <laughs> I bounced that off a few of my friends and they went, really? Uh, so let's hear what she has to say, because we not only want our happy back, we want our zest back. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so Margaret Mead, anthropologist, there's a famous quote by her and it goes, there is no greater power in the world than the zest of a postmenopausal woman. And what that zest is, we've kind of come into our own. We have this uh, wisdom that we've acquired over years. We have more energy and possibly new passions that we want to pursue. We're no longer raising children. We may have retired from our careers, or we may be wanting to start a new career, which what you are doing, what I have done. At age 55, I decided I wanted to become a health coach, wrote my first book at 58. I'm now 64, going on 65. I'm studying to become an aromatherapist. So there's a good chance that there's so much more to learn, to do, to pick up passions that you might have, might have put down while you were raising your family or having your career, singing, painting, dancing, traveling. There really is so much to look forward to in these years. But we are up against it, aren't we? Because in our culture, postmenopausal women, us older women, uh, we're looked at as kind of past our prime. We are in some cases invisible. 
We have certain expectations that have been placed on that. I get a real kick out of breaking those as often as I can. Yes. But I'm curious what you can tell us about those myths, that mythology, and where you've come in terms of your experience and the experience of the women that you work with in terms of how to battle that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, again, our our culture has done a good job of creating ageism, especially as it surrounds women, and add to that medical misogyny where they're really not paying attention to women's health in general, and you have a bad mix of, well, what we call ageism. However, I think the tides are changing. There are so many women speaking up now, so many celebrities. Just recently, Naomi Watts did a um, an Instagram reel about menopause. She's like debunking the myths. She's her reel was so wonderful. She, I think, she used Aretha Franklin's "Respect" uh, as the audio for it, and it was fabulous. She had thousands and thousands and thousands of views, women commenting how wonderful it was. And I can tell you from my own experience, I talk about lots of things in mixed company, one of which may be the word vagina quite frequently, which... Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Because let's face it, they think that as you become older, when women become older, that all of a sudden we're these non-sexual beings. And it is so far from the truth. Uh, we may experience low libido, but that can be fixed. And I think the more we talk about it, and especially in mixed company, and let people know, no, this is not the end of sex. Sex can go on for years and years and years. We are sexual beings. We are not old hags to put on a shelf somewhere. And I think the more we talk about it, and it is being talked about, that the better it will be. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's been this march toward changing the opinion that our culture has toward older women? Well, I think just having spokespeople, women speaking up about it is a big one. In other cultures, women in our age group, women who are menopausal, grandmothers, they're they're held in high esteem. And so there's not this horrible negativity that surrounds getting older. Basically, they have this wisdom. There's something called the grandmother effect, how menopausal women are raising grandchildren and the benefit of that. They hold these women in high esteem. So there's not this stigma and this negativity that surrounds them. So they celebrate these years. Man, thank God we have these years because the alternative is pretty shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I I can go with that. I mean, and um, a lot of these women are referred to as crones and we have this really negative association with the word crone. It's witch. And yet I know that Many of us are working toward crondom, if in fact that's a word. Having that wisdom, having that badge of honor that you've traveled this path, you've lived all these years, and the wisdom, the positivity that we can share with the younger women. And there's something else I love to talk about, especially with younger women, how moms should talk to their younger daughters now about the menopause years. If they don't have a daughter, their nieces, anyone younger that they may know. And for that matter, their sons as well, because our sons and daughters need to be taught that this is not something to be feared. It is something to embrace. 
men, right, will be in the company of their wives, their moms, their sisters, possibly their bosses or their employees. Women, let's face it, 100% of women will go through menopause if they live long enough. So men need to know how to interact, support, and raise up these women, as well as our young daughters, learning how to maneuver these years and live the best menopause that they can. And you've talked a lot about this already, but I know you focus on some very specific things that older women can do, postmenopausal women can do to brighten their lives, to stay important, to stay involved among their friends, among the community, among the greater world community. So can you tell us about some of those? Yeah. So we touched a little bit about creativity, right? If they want to continue with their passions or hobbies they may have put down, such as singing, dancing, painting. Movement is a big one. We want to stay active as long as possible. And there's so many wonderful exercises like Pilates and yoga and Tai Chi, things that are not extreme. They are moderate exercises, but they're so beneficial for, for our bodies, for our flexibility. And it's a great way to connect with other women too, in a gym or in a, in a class. Uh, education. You're never too old to keep learning. So, you know, there's those Coursera.com, uh, I think it is. You can take any kind of course you want for your own benefit, even if you want to go on and create a new career. Teach. If there's something that you can teach, teach. Uh, volunteer is a big one. There's so many places to volunteer and a great way to not only make a difference in this world, but connect with other people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and just find there's been studies that show that have shown that people who volunteer actually live a healthier life. So there's a benefit to it. And then, of course, clubs and groups. There's so many from book clubs to church groups to walking clubs. There's so many different things to do. And I know a big one now is, what is that that new game? Pickleball. <laughs> so I know so many people start playing pickleball later in their life. So there's so many things to do. And not all of them have to cost a fortune. Of course, travel is a big one. That's my big one. I love traveling. We're about ready to head to New Zealand in a few months. So I'm, I'm jealous. I'm, I know, I know. I'm sorry, but <laughs> we're older. We get to do that now. That's right. That's you right. mentioned movement, which is very important to me. I dance. I've always danced. I've just taken up Pilates again. <laughs> and uh, I also do yoga. And I just remember something that a friend of mine told me not that long ago. She said... My mother was dying and I was next to her bed and I was holding her hand. And one of the last things she said to me is, never stop moving. Truth. Yes. My grandmother at 89 years old was still walking. Still, I write about her in my book, my little Italian grandmother. She would lay in bed when I was a young child. She would share the bedroom with me when she came to visit and lay in bed. And she would do her exercises, turning her wrists, her arms, her legs while she told me stories of Italy. And then she would do walking daily, always walking. And she did that. And she lived till almost 90. And she was pretty healthy up until the end. So I, that, she was my first experience with the benefit that I saw the benefit of really staying active and, and moving. Can you talk a little bit about the connection between 
older women and younger women. And you've mentioned it already because you talked about the groups that you lead and the fact that when women are together in a larger group instead of a one-on-one, that they can share their stories and that older women can be the wise women who have had these experiences Mm -hmm. before. How important do you find that intergenerational connection? Oh, I think it's so important, especially for the the menopause aspect of it, but not just menopause, for health in general, for life in general, right? We can share our experiences and women don't have to feel like they're alone and know what to kind of know what to expect on their journeys. I'm also curious about this idea of teaching. And again, it melds in with what I just asked you about. But how do we go about teaching younger women, for example, what the heck goes on during menopause? I have a younger friend who said, I just know about the change and I don't know what the change is. <laughs> Am I going to grow a beard? Am I never going to have sex again? <laughs> and um, it was like, I couldn't believe she was saying that yet. That is just a tribute to the lack of education and something that you spoke to earlier. Yeah. And medical misogyny, unfortunately, even many doctors are not certified or knowledgeable in menopause because they just don't learn about it in medical school. And uh, that is changing a bit, but there's still far to go. So I know many women will probably just Google symptoms and come up with all kinds of information. But I think just maybe connecting with moms, aunts, grandmothers, and other people that they respect, admire, and are connected to in their daily lives, have a cup of coffee, have a chat. I think a big part of it is that we're afraid to talk about it. So I think as the elder women, the ones with more wisdom, possibly we're the ones that need to open the conversation because you were fortunate somebody actually asked you the questions, but I don't think women are so forthcoming, young women are so forthcoming about it because They may think, oh, that's not going to happen to me, or I'm just too embarrassed to talk about it. I don't want to really ask my mom about it, but they can seek out help in other places and maybe other women that might be able to help them. What role does humor play in all of this? Oh, a big one. (laughs) You'll just have to go on Instagram and watch some of my reels. (laughs) I try to incorporate humor as much as I can. And I, I, okay, a little caveat there. Men do not make jokes about menopause. Okay. <laughs> that's, you hear that, men? If any man is listening to this, but whatever. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with humor as long as it's not offensive <laughs> to women going through menopause. But yeah, I think that plays a big part in it too. I this There's just basically it's opening up the conversation, what I call the second talk, because the first one was puberty. And this is the second one, because they're just not learning about it in their health education classes where they really should have that talk. So we could we can just consider it as the second talk. Well, as a hormone health expert, what can women do in terms of trying to regulate their hormones when they seem to be going 
up in smoke, disappearing or changing? What, what are some of the things that women can do? During the perimenopause years in particular, I talked about this once with you, about my five M's of menopause. So there's meals, mood, movement, mindset, and manifesting. So we want to pay attention to our meals and add in food that support our bodies and our minds and crowd out all the crap. I tell women, stop counting calories and count the crap that you're putting in your body. So get rid of all those processed foods and just concentrate on eating whole foods, organic as much as possible, because pesticides, toxins, all of those things will disrupt our hormones and our produce is saturated in those things if you're eating conventional foods. So they will affect your hormone balance. So really pay attention to the toxins and things that you're putting in your body. Our emotional health is determined by our balance of life work, um, taking time for self-care. Yoga is a good one. Pilates, gratitude journaling, deep breathing exercises, meditation. There are so many ways that we can support our minds as well as eating healthy fats is a, is a good one for our mind and taking care of our gut health because everything starts in your gut. So if you have good gut health, everything else will follow. All good health will follow. We talked a lot about movement and that is a big one. Keep moving, keep exercising. A 20-minute walk is better than a Xanax, especially for women if they're in, uh, experiencing <laughs> experiencing anxiety and depression, which for some women, anxiety is the very first symptom they may encounter in their perimenopausal years and not even realize that it's a symptom of perimenopause. So exercise is a good one to affect that, as well as eating healthy fats, taking a vitamin B complex, fish oil, things like that to support our mind. And then uh, mindset makeover. So we talked about that. And there's something that I like to call menopositivity. And if we can really go into menopause feeling as if it could be the most magical experience and that we will live a magical life, chances are you will have a better menopause than if you went into it expecting it to be the devil and to be awful and horrible because there is a, there is a science to mindset and if you go into something with the mindset that it will be horrible, chances are it will be. So get into it with a, a positive mindset. And you have a wonderful quote that relates to that. And he wrote, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is, is the, the same. same. Right. Right. Exactly. Couldn't so, say it better. And I'd like to just end with... Your feelings about gratitude. You mentioned gratitude journaling or mm -hmm. journey, journaling gratitude. What is that? Gratitude journaling. So if you just take, take a journal, personal journal, and every evening and morning, just write down three things that you are grateful for. Before bedtime doing that, you may have a better sleep because you're putting things down that you're grateful for and you're going to bed with this mindset. Waking up, it'll set your intentions for the day. But there's so many things to be grateful for each day. And if you do that for 30 days, it's amazing how well you'll feel and uh, the blessings that will come. I want to give you a blessing or two for thanking you <laughs> to share this time with me. And can you please tell listeners how they can get in touch with you, where they can find your book, your website? Yeah, um, the website is themagicofmenopause.com. You can get my book on Amazon or all online retailers. And um, you can find me on Instagram at themagicofmenopause. I have a 
private Facebook group. It's called Making Menopause Magical Group. Coming up soon, we're in the planning stages right now, but I will be hosting together with Leslie Ender, a women's Tuscan retreat. We don't have the official name for it yet, but it is all about menopause, menopausal women. There will be movement and cooking classes and excursions and massages and uh, wine tasting and you name it. And it's at a beautiful villa in the Chianti Hills of Tuscany and October 2023. So all the fine details will be out before the end of the year. Well, maybe I'll just scrap my trip to New Zealand and come to Italy <laughs> instead. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. I deeply appreciate it. This has been terrific. Oh, thanks so much, Jane. I hope to see you again. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Older Women and Friends. And speaking of friends, please tell yours. And if you're interested in reaching me with comments or suggestions, you can do that by emailing me at olderwomenandfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can check out my blog at 70andme.com, and that's 70, the letter N, me, 70andme.com. Until next time.